right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Long time no talk, long time no uh, speak here on RCST. I'm back, Derek Johnson, Lane Gillespie. Thank you to Lane for holding down the fort these past couple weeks. Uh, I've been away, been uh, overseas. I was out in Germany, had a wonderful time. Not that you asked, but um, yeah, it was it was uh, a lot of fun. And now I'm back in the the doldrums of the sports calendar here in July. I wish I would have just uh, extended out my vacation through the end of July and then come back in like football season. But here we are in July. Um, so Lane, thank you for for doing that the past couple of weeks, and uh, hope everything went well on your end. Certainly, there were some big stories that that happened when I was gone. Most of them kind of came at the end of last week with all this realignment stuff, UCLA and USC moving over to the Big Ten. There's more news that has since come out today. Dennis Dodd of CBS reporting that uh, the Big Twelve is in deep conversations to uh, of adding even up to six Pac-12 teams in which uh, would be Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Now, I, I don't know what those deep discussions necessarily indicate. Is it just Big 12 brass having discussions with each other that like, hey, let's make this work? Is it them having conversations with the schools? Is it, is it just commissioners? I, I, I have no idea uh, to what extent that specifically means from the report of Dennis Dodd. But nonetheless, the conference realignment uh snowball has continued to kind of avalanche its way down the mountain and uh you know we're gonna get a lot into this over the next day or two because there are a lot of of different stems there are a lot of different ripple effects there are a lot of different dominoes that could fall all as a cause of this texas and oklahoma seemed to have started it but usc and ucla seem to have intensified it oh no doubt i mean what we're ultimately looking at, and uh, I mean, I'm hoping it's not the case, but we're, what we're ultimately looking at is a possible fallout of the Pac-12. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're going to get more into this later, but like the Big Ten and the, the SEC are becoming these super conferences. Who's going to survive after that? Is there room for others to survive? How many are going to survive after that? I don't know, but it certainly feels like somebody is going to be on the chopping block. And to your point right now, kind of feels like that would be the Pac-12. Kind of feels like an era of a battle royale of... Of conferences right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. It's, it's you know, survival of the fittest kind of at this point. Um, so what is KU's best course of action as this all gets going? We, um, last summer or whatever, when this all happened to Texas and Oklahoma, it became very apparent. If the option is on the table for KU to join the Big Ten or the SEC, just money-wise and just at this point security-wise, because you know those are going to be the big conferences, you take that offer. Is that offer on the table? I would like to think if the offer was on the table, they would have accepted it by now. But that said, um, 
the Big Ten, I think, is operating from a standpoint right now where they're probably waiting on to see what happens with like Notre Dame, for instance, and then they're going to figure out the rest of the puzzle pieces later. That because that's kind of the big fish to fry for them before they kind of figure out the structure and what they want to do with other teams. Nonetheless, um, I, I think a lot of this kind of comes down to for what is best for KU to a lot of other interesting dominoes going on at the moment. I'm sure that the Big Ten approached Oregon about joining the league, at least before they brought on USC and UCLA, because right now the reports seem to be that um, the Big Ten would not quite accept Oregon and Washington yet, not that they won't in general, but right now. And again, I think that goes back to the Notre Dame thing of they want to see what happens there before they figure out the next path of their future. It's like if you were in the NFL draft, you're going to make your first round pick before you make your second round pick. You're not going to say, okay, well, here's who we're choosing in the second round. It's like, what? Pick your first round pick first. Um, So I'm sure before this UCLA and USC news happened, they did approach Oregon and maybe even Washington to be that kind of twosome, but it probably didn't hit. At that time, Oregon was probably like, no, we're sticking in the Pac-12, we're fine, we're healthy as a conference, we have a new commission, all these things. But now that UCLA and USC have joined, it's clear the Pac-12 at this point now, I guess the Pac-10 again, is kind of damaged goods. Well, and it might be the Pac-8 and Pac-6 exactly, all the way down to the Pac-0. Maybe, exactly, exactly. Um, so it's like, you know, at this point, if the Big Ten approaches Oregon and Washington, they're saying, okay, well, now, now we will go over, which becomes interesting because if that domino does fall, if Oregon leaves the Pac-12, it already does kind of feel like open season on the Pac-12 right now. Again, those reports of the Big 12 trying to bring on those schools. But if Oregon leaves the Pac-12, then it's like, you no, know, the Pac-12 is probably going to die. Like, that that's how dire that would feel. Um, But what becomes interesting to me is, is the domino of what happens if Oregon doesn't just go to the Big Ten, but if they were to go to, like, the Big 12, again, as part of this report with Dennis Dodd. They're kind of the the white whale out there that could really swing this thing. If Oregon stays in the Pac-12, that would be huge for them. If Oregon were to go to the Big 12, that would be huge for them. If they go to the Big 10, then it just becomes more of a, a kind of frenzy between those three other leagues in the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12. And now I'm seeing a new story out here from John Wilner, who kind of reported on the news of UCLA and USC to begin with. He just said an ACC-Pac-12 merger would keep the Big 12 at bay and combine schools with presidential alignment. Um that's interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, clearly the Pac-12 understands that they are at risk of being poached by the Big 12. They are trying to do everything in their power to avoid it right now. Uh, they're moving up their media rights stuff where they're basically trying to get a new deal now ahead of time this year so that they can try to tell these schools, here's how much money you're going to make, like stay in the conference. That's also a move where... First of all, if it's like the alliance, the original one that was between those three conferences, that obviously didn't do anything because they still poached USC and UCLA and it didn't lead to like all these games or anything like that. So if it's just that, who really cares? But if they actually were to merge, that would fend off the Big 12 and then that would all of a sudden vault the Big 12 back to the bottom of these Power 5 conferences. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the Oregon domino is is various. Uh, uh, it's the most interesting because it's the biggest one that could potentially fall I would say from this point on uh, beyond that, some other dominoes, like what other schools are there going to be that, that leave? Like, is there more writing on the wall now? Because um, 
I, I think if you're Clemson or Florida State or Miami or North Carolina or whatever, it's a lot easier once you see this moves of, of UCLA and, and USC, and it does feel like more of a certainty that these two conferences are going to be mega conferences and maybe eventually will secede away from the NCAA in the Big Ten and SEC, that you want to do everything in your power to get on board there. And so it was one thing where you just said, okay, Texas and Oklahoma moving over there. That's fine, but we can still stay here. We can still survive as a power conference and, and be totally fine. Now that it continues to roll on, you have two more big schools going over. I, I think it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's more apparent that those schools to me like it wouldn't be shocking at all if you were to say like those schools left for the SEC. I agree. Um, but uh, what's interesting is it, what they are wanting to do is just add on to what could possibly be a super conference rather than a one for one trade, which I think some people would probably prefer the one for one trade, one good school for another good school, uh, just flipping and flopping. But so I don't what do know you mean how you by feel. trade. Kind of just. Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't really happen too often, but sometimes it does. It's basically uh, a conference. You get a team, but you also lose a team mm-hmm. to kind of keep that stability. But what the SEC what would just be like, yeah, Vanderbilt, you suck at football. You're yeah. out. <laughs> Here, <laughs> we'll take like Clemson. Um, we want Clemson. We don't want you, right. Andy. <laughs> Andy, you're joining the ACC now. Um, so, but those are other teams that, like, if, if any of those teams leave for the SEC, then all of a sudden, you know, does that start the end of the ACC and then they start getting poked by other ones uh, to Oregon and Washington or whoever go to the Big Ten and then Notre Dame they wield a ton of power in all this um, that would further the idea of the Big Ten and SEC pushing ahead oh, I what think if, Notre Dame has a ton of power in oh this. they have a ton I mean shoot they they have like agreements with teams from the ACC right now like the ACC should be doing everything in their power to bring on Notre Dame because that would certainly fend off this idea that those two conferences are going to break away. If the ACC adds that, uh, that would kind of get them up to that tier with those. Maybe not quite, but they'd be uh, certainly closer to that tier than they would the one before. Um, this is interesting. Another story coming out. Nike co-founder Phil Knight once uh, a say and, and has desired realignment plans. So I'm just saying. See what those realignment plans are. Nonetheless, um, so is this because I mean we talked about, I mean you and I have talked about. I don't think we've gotten to that discussion yet in this show, but you know the discussion of media rights. Are we now going to start seeing corporate sponsorship rights possibly in conferences with the Nike with with people at Nike wanting to have a say in it? Hmm. I don't. I don't think that I. I think the media rights is just like with TV and stuff. Okay. Um. So I don't think it would have like a big deal. I I think this is less about him from a Nike perspective and more about him from a booster perspective. Yeah, uh, this just said he's he's uh, a part of the discussion of the future plans. It makes sense because he's he's not just like a normal booster. He's a he is like the booster. He is what funds that program in a lot of ways. Uh, apparently, he is on board with plans for the Ducks program to be proactive in finding a new home and escaping the diminished Pac-12 according to Portland-based journalist John Canzano. So that would be interesting. I mean, again, like this goes back to, does the Big Ten want Oregon? The Big 12 needs to be doing everything in their power because if they can nab them, I mean, that, that'd that be a huge get for the Big 12. Uh, geography be damned because <laughs> at this point, like... Geography honestly is at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can figure it out. I mean, Oregon and BYU aren't like that far away and you could have Utah come over as well and, and uh, you can figure it out. Uh, geography, like, doesn't matter anymore at this point. Um, but yeah, if, if any teams leave one of the three 
of the Big 12, Pac-12, ACC to another one of those. So if, if we get conference hopping between those three, not just to the Big 10 or the SEC, I mean, that's that's where the true chaos ensues. Because, again, going back to your point about the Pac-12, it's one thing for USC and UCLA to leave for the Big 10 because it's not like outside of probably Oregon and Washington – the rest of them probably won't make it over to the Big Ten. Maybe you can convince yourself that from an academic standpoint, that like Stanford would be appealing or, or you could make your case for whatever school. But honestly, part of the beauty of where the Big 12 is at right now is that without Texas and Oklahoma, yes, they still have desirable schools and they still have schools that offer a lot, whether it's Oklahoma State being great at football or Kansas with their academic abilities and, and basketball and everything. Or, you know, you go down the list and you can find different things that make schools uh, very intriguing, but you don't have that, that, you know, pearl of a team that a Big Ten or SEC would just say, no, we have to do everything in our power to get this team. And it almost kind of works in the Big 12's favor here because you don't maybe have as much interest to worry about, okay, this guy's going to leave for that conference. Now, again, remains to be seen because if the Big Ten or SEC were like, we're going to go to these 30-team super conferences and pull away from the NCAA, then it's open season. Then they are going to start wanting some more of those teams for more numbers and, and to fill out those things. Um, but knowing that, the Big 12 actually does have some stability here, which has been different than just go back to last year. And it's funny because last year when the Big 12 was going through all this, they proposed a, I, I don't know if this is truthful or this was just rumor stuff, like a merger with the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 had a new commissioner at the time, George Klyovkov, um, and he didn't want anything to do with that. He didn't really want anything to do with some of the Big 12 schools. And it's funny how this turned so fast. Mm-hmm. Because now you're in a situation where the Pac-12 is like, we need somebody to help us. I, I mean, I mentioned the ACC thing there. Like, if you're the Big 12, at this point, too, if the Pac-12 came to you and was like, hey, I know you talked to us last year about doing a merger. Let's do it now. If you're the Big 12, you're like, no, you you had your opportunity. We're just going to raid you now. This here's, is your problem. Here's my question, because I know we talked about this before. The Big 12 is more reactive rather than mm-hmm. proactive when it comes to this kind of stuff. Sometimes being reactive can hurt does it help in this situation because like you said the big 12 you know they're pretty stable meanwhile the pac 12 they're not quite running on fumes yet but they're at about a quarter of a tank of gas i think you still need to be proactive okay i, I mean that's been the one thing that has escaped the big 12 for all these years they they have been reactive to the conference realignment and just okay what's happening with our conference let's react to that get out in front of it now get out in front of it go out and get these pac 12 teams before either this new media rights deal is struck with the Pac-12 or before the Pac-12 makes some move of their own, right? What if the Pac-12 goes out there and nabs somebody from another conference? What if uh, the Pac-12 is able to, you know, figure out a way to find that merger with the ACC or whatnot to make the conference more appealing? Uh, Big 12 needs to be not just reactive. They need to be reactive quickly because this is a tight timeline. And, And, if you miss your opportunity here, um, you might still be okay as a conference. If we're comparing it to the Big Ten and the SEC, at this point, it's it's not going to be on that level. Right. It's just not. But it seems to be that 
somebody between these three other power conferences, ACC, Big Ten, or Big 12, and Pac-12, somebody is going to lose out. And who knows? Maybe two of them are going to lose out. Like, there could very well be a situation where it's basically just three power conferences. So be reactive, and instead of being the team where it's like, okay, this this conference is up to 12, this conference is up to, to 14, this conference is up to 14, Big 12 is at 10. Okay, now let's add some teams. Um, like, I guess... Figure out a way to be somebody who is setting the path here. Okay. Instead of, okay, SEC and Big Ten, they're at 16. Why not? Be the first team to 18. Be the first conference to 18, right? Like, do something above and beyond what those others don't want to do because that has hurt them for so long that they've just reacted to those things. And, um, you know, if they were if they were reactive as opposed to proactive, maybe Texas and Oklahoma never leave to begin with. So I, I don't know. Um I still think KU's best option, if the Big Ten did come calling, like, that's it. You're going to make the most money uh, being in the Big Ten. It's going to give you a lot of conference stability. You would have all the AAU members there, just in terms of geography-wise, although now with USC and and UCLA, that gets kind of thrown out the window. (laughs) But there are a lot of schools that are kind of nearby you where it would make a lot of sense. But if it's not, I think it is just all about reading the room. Um I mean, in fairness, Big 12 has thrown geography out of the window yeah. by now, especially because they're getting a team from Florida, a team from Utah. Because, you know, it used to be all Midwest. Then you mm-hmm. also add in Texas, which you could include as South. Some people include it as Midwest. But now it's just completely out of the picture. So you do have to just forget about all that and just kind of think ahead here, like to your point. Yeah. And so, like, by reading the room, this basically, like, this is kind of a messed up way of doing things. It's kind of a fair weather <laughs> fan thing, unless the Big 10 thing happens. Now, I still think at this point, if you're not, if you don't get that extended invite by the Big Ten, at this point you stay in the Big Twelve. But that is based on the assumption that they are going to be proactive here. And if they are able to go out and acquire those six t- schools from the Pac-12, or even if they get four with with Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Arizona State, then clearly the Big Twelve still remains your second best option there because that would be a lot of stability. That would be some good firepower you are bringing into your league. Um, but it's like I, I started watching Succession um, when I when I got back from from Germany. I don't know if you've ever seen Succession, a, a popular show on HBO. I I've only seen like a handful of episodes at this point. But sorry if this is a spoiler. It's season one. I don't even know what season they're on. Like season two, <laughs> season three. So this is a you problem. Um, th- there's an episode where they they put on a a vote of. Um, you know, no trust or no confidence or whatever for, for the guy who, who owns the company. And as they're going around and trying to figure out where people are, who's going to vote for what, who's going to vote on what side, they're talking to this one guy. And he says that, you know, I, I'm i playing the side of the winner. Whoever wins, that's who I'm supporting. And that's that's what KU needs to do here. If the Big 12 wins this battle of, um, I guess, kind of cannibalism among these other conferences like if the big 12 is able to cannibalize the pac 12 then you're like yeah i love being in the big 12 but if if the big 12 is not able to be proactive here and gain teams from the pac 12 or or whatever it is that strengthens your conference in a time of uncertainty and the pac 12 is able to figure out a way to be like the pac 12 finds a merger with the acc and now all of a sudden the pac 12 went from uh-oh, they're in trouble to now know they're ahead of the Big 12, and then the Pac-12 comes calling to KU, then at that point, you play that game, right? You you figure out what is going on in real time 
and you play the winner. That That's what KU needs to do at this point in time. But as of right now, as of today, as of this very moment on July 5th, it does feel like the Big 12 is in a better situation than the Pac-12. I guess the one thing I'm thinking of from a morality construct, does that work? But this this is not a place of morals. It's a place of business. No. So, yeah, take morality completely out the window. Yeah, you. the only thing you owe is, is to yourself to get the best situation for your university and... It's it, you're right. Like from a morality side, that's not it's not great. But like, it's like saying it, I'm better than you. Screw everybody else. Basically. Yeah. It's it, but I guess it's it's sports. It's competition. Like right. it. Um. And it's business. It, it stems it down is, to how much money is, you can get. It out literally of it. is business. There's there's millions and millions of dollars on the line. So we'll wait and see. Like I said, there's these reports: Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon. Um. And uh, Washington possibly being an ad for for the Big 12, but it seems like the Pac-12 are fighting tooth and nail to try to keep them on board, and um, certainly this will have a big effect on KU moving forward. He's Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to be joined by Matt Tate in about 15 minutes. Kevin Flaherty at 440. We'll have your case of the Tuesdays coming up at 4 o'clock. This is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About 20 till 4, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Lane Gillespie, Derek Johnson, and joined by a third here. That would be Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, haven't talked to you in a couple weeks here. I was out in uh, Germany on vacation. You actually, I think, were on vacation last week, too. So so how was your vacation, and where'd you go? I was in Florida on the beach trying to pretend that I could unplug and not care about what was happening in college athletics. It was... More successful than I would have thought. Um, I did have some fun in the sun and good times with family, but, uh, you know, goodness gracious, man. It's not every day USC and UCLA say, we're headed to the Big Ten, carry on. (laughs) So uh, I was keeping one eye and ear, you know, at least close to, to the happenings that have created this crazy week and future crazy weeks. So, uh, good time, good relaxation, enjoyed it, as I know you did as well, and uh, now we're back right where we started, talking brilliant stuff together. That's all we do, Derek, I swear. Yeah, I know. It's just, hey, it, it happened to work out, right? Um, so, I don't know uh, if you have a, a sunburn or anything, um, but thank you for joining us today. Um, as it pertains to, <laughs> to that conference realignment and, and, and that shift that UCLA and USC kind of seem to have, have, I don't know, like Texas and Oklahoma, I guess, technically started it, but it feels like this is the one that that really gets the ball rolling here. Uh, what do you kind of view to be the options on the table and the best routes for KU moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I wrote this the other day, and, and I, I think that KU has great options. Um, I, I do think that the Big 12 and Kansas are in, in a, a position of strength here, uh, far more so than they were in any of the previous rounds of realignment. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, again, 
they have to act. They have to use that position to their advantage and and make it count in order for it to actually pay off. But they they at least seem to be in a good spot. And uh, so obviously, you know, a revamped Big Twelve. If you're able to pull in some of those Pac-12 schools that that may need a, a lifeboat, um, you know, and and the Big Twelve becomes stronger and more stable and and clearly the the third best conference. Uh, by a landslide, I, I think that you know that that's that's a good spot. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, everybody wants not everybody. I shouldn't say that, but but tons and tons of Kansas fans would love to see KU end up in the Big Ten and have wanted that for for months now, right? And and I understand that, but it, it's it's far from automatic. It's it's maybe even a bit of a long shot. Um, you know, there has to be the mutual interest there. It has to make sense on the Big Ten side of things, too. So, you know, is that an option? Sure, you could say it is. You could also say it isn't much of a realistic option. But either way, you have to strengthen your position in the Big 12, I mean, because that's where you are right now. So let's say the Big Ten is an option and that that, you know, plays out a year from now or 16 months or whatever it is that's great you know then you take it and you don't even think twice i mean the, the the money that you can you can collect by being in that conference um is it's just not even close you know but it's not worth hoping and, and sort of you know putting all your eggs in that basket in the next year or whatever hoping that that's the outcome when you it might very well not be. And so I think KU's focus both is and should be on doing everything in its power to help strengthen the conference that it's currently in. Because even if KU ends up in the Big Ten, if they strengthen the Big 12 along the way, that just creates a situation where you have two really good options. One is clearly better than the other, but at least the other becomes as strong as you can possibly help make it. And, and, uh, I, I think that's probably where they're at right now. I mean, I, I think that, I think that the big 12 has a great opportunity here to, to act strongly and swiftly and, and, you know, with some power and, and some, some, uh, decisive action that, that can really put it and, and its members in, in a, a great position moving forward. But, um, we've we've seen in the past that the Big Twelve leaders and leadership and universities have tended to lean toward the side of patience and and just kind of waiting it out and and riding the wave, so to speak. Um, and and I just don't think that's going to work this time. I think they need to. Uh, they have a golden opportunity to really make a move, and and I think they need to make it. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. And I kind of uh, made a comparison in the opening segment about the idea that. You know, let's say, because I agree, like the Big Ten would still be the number one option if that were available to you. Now, who knows if it would be or not, but I, I agree that the Big 12, uh, if you told me they're going to be able to make these moves and expand and add some of these teams from the Pac-12 or whatever, that would be number two. But you almost have to, like, play the uh, the game here. You almost have to, like, kind of figure out who's going to be the winner here because it, it feels like... Uh, now, given the the landscape of of these conferences, that between the Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and ACC, it doesn't feel like all three of them are going to survive this, or at least if if all three do survive it, that one is going to clearly be behind maybe where those other two 
um, are right now. So you almost have to like kind of play the game of, okay, who do we think is going to win? Who do we want to hitch our wagon to? Because let's say hypothetically the Pac-12 here comes to KU and, and they say, we want you to come aboard. Or the ACC says, we want you to come aboard. Like, what do you do with that if you're KU right now? Yeah, I think it's I think it's tough. I mean, I think that you know everything I'm hearing out west is that the the Pac-12 schools are are remaining united and saying we we're putting our focus on the Pac-12 and and staying together and being strong. Now, and, do you believe that, or do you think that's just like fodder? I don't believe it. I don't at all. I mean, I think it sounds good, and I think it's all you can say right now. I think I think that's that's you know the. The, the space they have to live in because there's not an offer on the table, right? So you say that today, but if tomorrow morning there's an offer from the Big 12 conference, right. uh, a formal offer, you know, for uh, expansion and, and to, to be included as members of the Big 12, well, then what's your answer? That, that's the only answer that matters. The one that, the one that you say today, I mean, who, who was it? The, it was Nick Saban, right? It was Nick Saban with the Miami Dolphins that, that made that famous. It's like, well, I never talked to them. Well, no, you didn't, but your agent did at, over and over and over and over. So, you know, the only thing that matters is the answer when there's actually something at stake. And right now, the Big 12 is saying we're staying, staying together and stronger than ever. And, and you know, I, what's weird is I do believe that because I don't believe the Big 12 is nearly as, as, as desperate right now. I think the Pac-12 is a little bit desperate because you have to remember it's not just the Big 12 that's going after the Pac-12, right? I mean, the Big 10 just took 40% of their value. I mean, they just took USC and UCLA and if you read enough reports out there, it's very clear that they're interested in taking more, whether that's Oregon and Washington or Oregon and Washington and Stanford or whatever it is. There's there's some interest in the Big Ten in taking more of the Pac-12. So they're, they're desperate, and, and they're in a tough spot. And, and, and the Big 12 knows exactly the spot they're in, or at least should, because rewind a few years or, or a decade or whatever it is, and that was very much what the position the Big 12 was in looked like. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's crazy how this has, has turned so quickly and, and so, you know, completely. Um, but I also think that the Big 12, you know, having survived those previous rounds, should sit here and go, holy crap, this is a gem. I mean, we are, we are not only in a position of power, we also know – everything that they're dealing with because we've been there before. So, you know, I think that should help shape your strategy. I, I think that that intimate knowledge of the position they're in should help, um, help plan your attack. And, and, you know, I, I know it sounds a little intense to call it, you know, uh, attacking the other, but that's what this is. I mean, this is, there's a fight brewing and it's a fight for survival and it's a fight for relevance. And um, both sides are very aware of it. And, both sides are, are kicking and screaming like hell to, to try to uh, make sure that they're not the ones that get pinned here. Um, but again, I think the Big 12 is in much, much better shape um, for a bunch of reasons, and and I think both sides know that. So I, I do think that, that that the Pac-12 is going to you know make an honest effort to try to say, hey, we're going to stick this out. But again, if that offer comes this week, next week, whenever it is, man, then tell me your answer 
uh, and that's the one I'll, I'll, I'll pay attention to because right now it's just words and, and, uh, you know, there's also probably some, some legal issues involved. If, you know, if, if I saw a statement from Colorado, I talked to a couple other administrators at a couple of other schools out on the, on the West coast. And, you know, I mean, I don't think they can sit there and say, Hey, yeah, we're interested. I mean, I think that, that puts you puts you in a tough spot, you know, within your conference and and sort of breaking contract and things like that from a legal standpoint. So it's not just the oh, we want to stick together and and you know we're loyal to each other. It's not just that vibe. It's it's as much you know uh, required required action by them to say like we're not going to put ourselves in trouble here by saying the wrong thing, you know? So, um, so anyway, I, I mean, I think that's why this is so crazy because it can change so quickly. I mean, they can literally say that today, um, that they're sticking with the PAC 12 and focused on building a stronger and better than ever PAC 12. And then tomorrow it can totally change. I mean, it could happen that fast. We've seen it before. Um, Kansas fans, big 12 fans are, are, are well aware of what it looks like and, and, uh, yeah, it, it's wild to me that the Big 12 is in such good shape. Uh, it, it, it shouldn't be, you know, laughing and eating caviar and feeling great about everything. I mean, I think there's still reason to have some measured optimism and a little bit of, you know, uh, common sense here as you move through this. But I think with the right moves and the right action, uh, there's no reason to think the conference can't, can't, you know, come out of this looking really, really good. Okay, so Matt, congratulations. You have just been named commissioner of the Big 12. Uh, very quick stint for Brett Yormack. You are now in charge of of picking the direction for the Big 12, what teams to add, how many to add, what the format's going to be. Uh, give us your thoughts on, on the Matt Tate Big 12. Yeah, I'll take the job till August 1st, and then he can have it. He doesn't even start until then. So, talk about talk, talk about cutting a vacation short. Uh, I hope he didn't hope he didn't have too much planned. Um, yeah, look, right, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Those are obviously the the number one uh, group that that seems to be most heavily tied to the Big Twelve, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, for one, you've got a former member. For two, you've got a, a natural kind of geographic partner, um, both with Colorado and Utah, uh, with, with your newest addition in BYU. That that makes a lot of sense. And then Arizona's not far from either of those. Um, and on top of that, Arizona and Arizona State is not a new thing either. I mean, go back to the last round of realignment. It never really got much traction, but they were mentioned as possible Big 12 uh, expansion candidates. So it's not crazy that those are the first four that pop up. Um, what is crazy to me is, I, I mean, you know, I think if you look at Oregon, Washington, and, uh, and Stanford, I would take any of those three ahead of Colorado and ahead of Utah. Um, I, I, I like Utah more than probably most do. Um, I, I, I get the the idea of Utah being right there with BYU and how that makes sense. But Oregon's a big-time brand, um, backed by some serious money. And um, Stanford, academically as much as athletically, is another big-time brand. And, um, and you know, Washington's right there as well in, in a big market. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it may be a situation where you, you can't – you can't line this thing up too perfectly. You know, maybe your luck's just not that good. 
uh, to just go pick the four you want. But I think if you could make a play for all seven or six of the seven, I, I think that's the move. And, and Dennis Dodd has reported today that that, that could be happening. Uh, there could be Oregon and Washington specifically could be, you know, at least being considered right now uh, by the Big 12 Conference. And so I think you, I think you go for broke with that. Um, I, I think that you're putting them in a tough spot because – as we mentioned a minute ago, you know, those are schools that are also on the Big Ten radar and may be Big Ten candidates a year from now or six months from now or two years from now or whatever it is. But I still think you have to ask them and, and, uh, and, and find out, you know, how much risk they're willing to take because let's, you know, let's say Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah are in. You don't even have to push them any further they're in um you know the pac-12 is now down six schools so if you are oregon washington stanford and and you look at that and you say wow we've got this offer from the big 12 to find some stability in a pretty damn good conference that's going to make the kind of money we're used to making right now um you know may not may not grow a ton but it's not it's not necessarily going to be you know cutting our budget in half or anything catastrophic like that or we can hold out hope that the big 10 does want us what man what what a tough spot right i mean because the big 10 is cashing five times the amount that the big 12 can bring you if not 10 times but that offer's not there yet and if you get this offer from the big 12 it's it's a it's a bird in the hand sort of thing right like you are you know you can you can lock in and feel good about where you're at and 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 be stable and and not worry about any of that but it just i think you just have to i have i think you have to make them say no i think you have to put the uh, offer on there on the table and 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 put all the action in their court and you have to say Yes or no, it's up to you. The risk lies with you. And I, I think that's exactly what the Big 12 should do. Um, and, and, you know, we'll find out what, what happens if, that, if that's the path that, that it goes. Um, it, it would be – I would not want to be a decision maker at, at Oregon or, or Washington or Stanford at that point. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty significant move. I mean, there's a lot on the line because if you, if you say no to the Big 12 and the Big 10 never comes – then what do you have? Then you're in a completely gutted Pac-12 that adds Fresno State and San Diego State and Gonzaga and tries to pretend you're still a power conference when you're very clearly not. Um, I don't think that's the outcome that anyone would want. So uh, it's a tough decision if it gets to that point. And, uh, and I think it's up to the Big 12 to make sure it does. You, 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 you push that agenda, you, you make that offer, and, and you put the offer in their hands and, and let them show you how much risk they're willing to take. He is Matt Tate. You can check out his work in the LJ world and the KUSports.com. Matt, I appreciate taking some time out of your day and uh, glad to have us both from back from vacation and uh, we'll have to catch up and, and see how our vacations went. But uh, thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, man. Sounds good. I would imagine this is the last time we'll talk about this, so I'm glad we got it in, too, because, you know, this, this stuff doesn't linger, does it? <laughs> no, no, um, not at all. I'm I can't imagine. We'll talk yeah. about it every time we talk for yeah. the rest of the summer, if not longer. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff will be wrapped up by tomorrow, I'd imagine, right? Like, we'll have a, a very clear picture of what all the conferences will look like for the next, like, 15 years. It'll be great.
Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least. That's how it works, for yep. sure. Matt, appreciate good. it as always, man. Have a good rest of your day. Uh, all right, Dick. Thanks, man. Welcome back. Yep. He's Matt Tate. Welcome back to him as well. LJ World, KUSports.com. Check out his work over there. He's Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shark Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I got to get out of here. I think I'm going to lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. <laughs> no, no. Probably because today's Tuesday. No, exactly. Yeah. How could you have a case of the Mondays? Uh, but because we didn't have a show yesterday, case of the Tuesdays, it only applies on select weekends. You know, we have the occasional three-day weekend, which we had this weekend, and it wasn't a three-day weekend where you had Friday off. You have a three-day weekend where, you know, we have it on Memorial Day or Labor Day or in a situation like this. So who is feeling a case of the Tuesdays today? Let's get into it right now on another edition of this here on RCST. Uh, first of all, I, I, <laughs> me, am uh, experiencing a case of the Tuesdays today. First day back, two-week vacation in Germany. I had some travel issues as well. Flight back. So we find out, because we're flying out of Munich to come in to Kansas City. There's, there's like a seven-hour time change. It's seven hours ahead in Germany. So it's like four o'clock now. It's like 11 o'clock there. Um so we leave at, I don't know, noon, something like that, out of Munich, get into Washington, D.C. at like 3 o'clock because of the time change, like 3 o'clock p.m. So it's like the middle of the day. And, and a couple hours before we get on our flight to Munich, we find out that our flight from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City just got straight up canceled. I don't know why it was never explained to us. So they rebook us on a flight that is supposed to leave the next day. So now we're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we get into the Washington, D.C. airport. We, you know, go through customs and everything. Already there's, like, not enough people working there. They have, like, 25 lanes open for customs to go through. Only, Or, or they have 25 lanes. Only five of them are open um, because they don't have enough employees there right now. And, and so um, it takes, like, an hour to get through that. We get through it. Then we go to find our bag. Our bag is not our bags. We each had two bags, so four bags total are not there. So we have to go wait in another line, talk to somebody else. They don't know what happened to them. So they tell us to go to this other area. Uh, but first, before we do that, we have to go figure out what the deal is with our new flight. Are they going to hook us up with a hotel because they canceled our flight and are making us stay overnight? So we have to go through security, go back into the, the gate area, go to the, the United Service Center, and... Um, 
talk to the United Airlines people. They are of absolutely no help. Um, which, like, you know, I get it. Flight cancellations happen. Things happen. Things get delayed. I, And also, like, please don't take out your anger on the, the employees who are working there because it's not right. their fault that something happened at United. So, you know, it, I, I try to make it apparent, like, thank you guys for, for what you're doing. I know this isn't your fault. It's just an unfortunate situation. Um, but very frustrated with United Airlines as a company because they didn't even hook us up with a hotel. You, in fact, United has been iffy I know. in every direction for the past forever. <laughs> well, it, it, it was like the ultimate slap in the face, too, because they didn't even give us a free hotel, which, again, like, it is what it is, but if you're going to cancel the flight and make us stay the next day, like, at least do that common courtesy. Because, again, I get it. Like, things happen. But just do that. Uh, they gave me this. This felt like the ultimate slap in the face. They go, well, we can't give you a hotel, but we can give you this. Here's this voucher. If you scan oh, it on gosh. your phone with a QR code, this is like, the, give you, this, this is like the John Mulaney no, skit if, you, if, you, if you've seen that. Yes. It, no, it, it really is. And it's like, it's like scan this QR code. You'll get a, a discount uh, for your, your hotel stay. I click the thing. $144 a night. What kind of discount is that on a hotel? Oh, my gosh. So um, we stay at a hotel and, you know, get up the next morning and leave and everything and make it back home and, and everything's okay and everything. We end up finding our bags. We figure out that all situation. So it is what it is. It was just unfortunate. Um, point is, got back a day later than I wanted to. So one less day to kind of re reinvigorate yourself with a proper sleep schedule and everything. So my sleep schedule is very messed up right now. I'm getting through this. This was a long story just to honestly, you probably didn't even care about my my travel struggles and, and everything. But the point is, I am having a big case of the Tuesdays, so I, I'm just looking forward to getting through this week. But the thing is, when are. I was when I was with uh, KU baseball, and we had to travel. We had to fly with Southwest and mm -hmm. there are times where the flight was overbooked. I mean, heck, you have to deal with 50 plus people plus whoever else booked that flight. They're like, hey, we'll give you this much in vouchers. It was it was like a thousand dollars in like Great. vouchers and something like that. Yeah, if you want to give me vouchers, and like, a I'm for it. and a hotel stay, and we'll give you a flight as soon as possible. And there were a few times where I almost said, "Yeah, I'm good with it," but uh, I was also at that point where just like, it's it's ten o'clock and it's eleven o'clock at night. I just want to go home or whatever on our two-hour flight from Texas or something like that. Yeah, if you if you give me voucher, hotel, whatever, I don't care. I saw there were stories like circulating over the weekend that because Delta is undergoing like a lot of issues right now with, with staffing and, and pilots and all that stuff. And um, it, it it got to a point where they were like offering, I don't, I'm sure this was just like a one-time thing or one flight or something, but apparently people were being offered $10,000. I'm sure it was in vouchers, not just like straight cash or something. They don't bring out like a briefcase to get off their flight and change the flight. And I'll be like, okay, please do that to me. Yeah. Please, I will gladly take that. Uh, but nonetheless, I... Getting through it, getting through it. Okay, uh, case of the Tuesdays for hot dogs because Joey Chestnut and the hot dog competition just continues to engulf it. Joey Chestnut, one of the best athletes of our time. Right. He's like Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain just uh, created all these rules and records and, and just blew away the competition. And I don't know, maybe 50 years from now we're going to sit back and say, no, this guy is a better conditioned athlete. According to today's rules and today's blah, 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 he's better than Joey Chestnut. But nobody blows out their competition and is better to the competition than Joey Chestnut. It's it's not even a competition. What is it now? He's won like 15 in a row or something like that? Like I, I don't even titles, know. It's, something like that. It's It's got to be high up there. He's my goat. He's yeah, my goat. Right? <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about – I always love when they do like the cross sport, uh, like Mount Rushmore best athlete. It's like how do you compare – 
right. what, for instance, Serena Williams did to LeBron James. Like, how how do you do that? Um, well, and the fact that Joey Chestnut did it yesterday on a bad leg. Right. I know. That was the flu game, right? That's what everybody was saying. His version of the, the Michael Jordan flu game. You're oh, on crutches. The food poisoning game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although it'd be a lot, you know... It, It'd be funny if, if you switch those two, if Michael Jordan had the leg injury and if Joey Chestnut had the... the uh, Can you imagine if Joey Chestnut had food poisoning that's and what I'm still saying. did that? That's what I'm saying. That would be the true mark of a champion if you switch those two injuries between the two of them. I, I was curious. I got talking to, to some friends yesterday. Maybe we should up the stakes here because this is no longer uh-huh. like a competition. Yeah. It's, just, it's just how much is Joey Chestnut going to win by? Like He wins by like 18 hot dogs. And it's just, will he break the previous record that he set? You have to give him a three-minute break or give everyone else a head start. That would be fun. I'd be all for that. Like, see how long it takes Joey Chestnut to beat everyone else. It's like that um, that one competition that I forget what MLB team did it, but there was like that they had like this track star and they'd put on this run of the mill show. Oh yeah, yeah, Cleveland, right? The freeze or something like that. Yes, they always give the normal guy a head start, and the freeze would still beat him. Which is one of the best like promotions they do. I right. don't know if they're still doing it. I don't know why they wouldn't be. It's a cool promotion. Um, that would be great. I, you know, we always have like the. Our, our, I think it was it Michael Phelps or something. Like Michael Phelps raced a shark or something. He didn't yeah, actually race the shark. Right. He was, it was blown up more than it was. Like the. I don't know. It was like it was like a, a virtual reality shark based on how fast they can go. So it's kind of silly. But they've had like the idea of like Usain Bolt racing a cheetah or something like that, right? Those are always silly to me because it's like, of course, the animal is going to win. I actually don't know what would happen. If you had Joey Chestnut versus like a bear eating a bunch of hot dogs. Give me Joey Chestnut. I think I might take Joey Chestnut. I mean, obviously, the bear is going to be able to like, you know, mash more at a time. But he's not going to have the strategy of dipping the hot dog bun in the the water and stuff. Like, how is he going to know to eat all these hot dogs and the hot dog bun separately? I, I don't know. I think Joy Chestnut could pull out on top there. That's what I want to see happen. I want to see him face off against, like, an animal. That would be incredible. Or, now, I, I don't know what do, the animal should is. Should we do one that would be, I don't know, what's more of an apex predator than a bear? Like a lion? Lion would like be that? good. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know that a hippo is, is more of an apex predator. Well, their know, their mouth the is pretty darn huge. That's the problem. Hippo might be too favored for the hippo because the mouth is so huge. Right. Would, like, a gorilla even want to eat hot dogs? Probably not. I don't know. I think there's there's something there. I think there's something there that we can figure out that I would like to explore the possibility of for next July 4th. Because I don't want this to get a little stale. It's, it's kind of getting that way. Uh, okay, case of the Tuesdays for finality. I, uh, and many others, thought this was going to be the final season Same of Stranger here. Things. And to be clear please nobody spoil it for me i still have not seen um the rest of Stranger. i I watched they they released two new episodes for this this second part of this season season yeah exactly it gets kind of confusing um both very long episodes first one's like an hour and a half second one is like two and a half hours it's basically a movie i watched the first one i watched like the first hour of the second one last night and then i got tired because i'm an old man adjusting the time um so I, I still have to finish this, so please no no one spoil anything for me. May I just say, so before you left, I, I've told you that I haven't watched yeah. Stranger Things. Did you I, catch up on it? I, I, I have not caught up on it, but okay. I started watching it, 
I'm on season two, and okay. the show is amazing. Okay, there we go. I we got love you involved. I love it. Um, okay, I, I'm on season two though, and it's it's because my girlfriend is a big fan. And here's the thing: she doesn't want me, uh, or she wanted us to rewatch. She wanted to rewatch it, and we wanted to watch it together. The problem is. Uh, she's quarantining right now. Oh, no. So uh, I'm going to have to ask her permission to yeah, watch it without a, her. Yeah, she's got a lot. Yeah, that, that makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, well, I uh, I won't spoil anything for you, but yeah, I think everybody kind of thought that this was going to be the last season, and now they announced that they're going to have another one that's going to come yeah. out. And I, I think they said that's going to be the final season, although what's stopping them there? Right. That it's going to come out in 2024. So you got to wait another couple years for it. When um, I finish, when I finish uh, watching the show, now I'm going to be waiting for so long. Right, I'm not right. going to be a fan of that. I mean, gosh, the kids are going to be so grown up by them. But maybe that's the point. They want them to be more to that age where um, I guess they can explore Possibly. some other things with it. So I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I'm for it. I like the show. But also, at some point, it's got to end. Don't turn into another like um, Fast and the Furious. Right. 12 the point movies. where you get like you have like so many movies and you're running out of ideas right. when is enough enough right okay last one for case of the tuesdays is drew lock i he didn't do anything to no. ask for this but he's also a former missouri quarterback so we shouldn't really feel bad for him um sports center this was a couple days ago tweeted out like a clip of, of something going on in the U.S. Open, uh, I don't know how to pronounce these two players' last name, like Nick Kyrgios or something like that. I think, against, I think you were right on that. Is, is that right? Okay, I, so. I have no idea how to pronounce sure. the other guy's name. So anyway, uh, you know, highlight play, blah, blah, blah. They tweet stuff out. Some guy under the uh, name of Seahawks fan for life, Geno Smith propaganda on Twitter, <laughs> replied saying, not a sport to tennis. So the U.S. Open Tennis official Twitter account responds to him, and they say, not a sport, says the person about to watch 17 games of Drew Locke at QB. Um, <laughs> he basically got ethered online for a guy who doesn't have a profile picture of himself, and it was fun to see. But uh, what was even more fun than that was the fact that it just, like, took, you know, indirect shots at, at or no, actually very direct shots at uh, right. Drew Locke. It just taking strays from the side, and and you know it's just kind of funny. So uh, not a great weekend for him because you know certainly a lot of people kind of piled up uh, on Drew Locke there. I mean, can you could you have used that on any other quarterback in any other mm. situation? Should it have been another team? I think you probably could do it with a couple, but certainly yeah. that one like rings out the most. Like you could have probably done it with like I don't know Carson Wentz in Washington, but even then like. Carson Wentz isn't, like, terrible. You know what right. I mean? Like, Drew Locke is, is kind of terrible. So, yeah. Comparatively, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that is your case of the Tuesdays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty in about 20 minutes from right now. Um, some more conference realignment talk at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. With Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives 
of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Long time no talk with Kevin. Um, so the SEC and Big Ten have obviously gained the best traction among conferences to this point, and even before the UCLA and USC move over, but now even even more so. Um which league right now between the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten do you think is in the best situation to try to not just survive, but kind of thrive beyond those other two big giants? You know, it's interesting because I think the Big 12 may be when you look at the way that it's being proactive and going out and potentially, you know, raiding the Pac-12. The Pac-12 seems like it would be in the worst spot. The ACC is in a really weird spot, right, Derek? Because you look at that conference and you say, well, gosh, you know, there are some teams that other people would like to poach and things like that. But you look at the ACC's grant of rights, which pretty much run from now until the rapture, and (laughs) it's going to be really, really tough to pull – any of those schools out, you know, whether it's the SEC having an eye on, you know, like Florida State, Miami, Clemson, you know, that would seem to to make a lot of it. And I think the other thing is, is the Big 12 with its current footprint and especially with its, you know, countrywide footprint, if it does add some Pac-12 teams, it's in a little bit different geographic situation than – what you would see with the ACC, which basically shares its own footprint with the SEC. And so the ACC is fascinating because it feels like that league would almost have to collapse as a whole for them to get out of that grant of rights. You know, and I know that there's been talk in the past of certain ACC schools potentially wanting to move on, whether that's Virginia to the Big Ten, whether that's you know, the schools that we talked about potentially going to the SEC, et cetera. But that grant of rights is just such a huge wild card because it does last for so long. It goes until the 2030s. And so when you when you look at that, it makes it seem like, well, the Big 12 is in the best position to be a strong conference, but the ACC maybe has the best paperwork to say, okay, we are not getting raided by anybody because if this happens, you are going to owe us just an absolute ton of money through the end of this grant of rights deal. Well, in previous years, uh, what's interesting with the Big 12 is we've seen them be more reactive than than proactive in the realignment world. And I know a lot of people would point the finger to Bob Bowlesby and, and blame him, though I, I think you know it, Bob Bowlesby is probably more of just a uh, mouthpiece or whoever the commissioner is, mouthpiece for – the conference uh, 
athletic directors and, and stuff like that than, than anything else, which does kind of make it funny because if you circle back, I could have sworn that the irony there was that Oklahoma was one of the teams that like didn't want to expand, and then sure enough, they, they leave you kind of high and dry here. But nonetheless, new commissioner for, for the Big 12, and he seems to be someone in Brett Yormack that you would think would want to be kind of aggressive and everything, but also with that transition period, I don't know how that affects you know, the, the the quickness of the Big 12's ability to maybe add some of these other teams. And I don't know, I'm sure you've seen the news today with the Pac-12, like what they've done and, and trying to kind of speed up their media rights stuff. And uh, who knows, maybe they're trying to kind of work on an alliance in some way with the ACC, though the last time they came part of an alliance that didn't really do much and, and didn't help them in any way. Um, but I guess... Where do you view the Big 12, and like, do you really think they are going to be more aggressive here, and, and do you think they have a good shot of, of poaching some of these schools? Yeah, I think so, and I, I think that as much as the Pac-12 wants to try some of those opportunities out, and, and potentially, you know, they even said, I, I guess today, that a potential merger would uh, would be a, a thing that they'd be interested in. I'm sure they would be, but at the same time, it, you know, you look at look at when the Big Twelve has been struggling, Derek. And if the Big Ten had offered at some point during the Big Twelve struggles, like right after Texas Oklahoma, if the Big Ten had come forward and said, "You know what, Kansas, the Big Twelve is struggling. We want you." Kansas would be in the Big would be in the Big Ten right now because it would be in the school's best interest. I mean, it it probably wouldn't even have to hang up the phone to say yes, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of what you're seeing with some of these Pac-12 schools is, yes, the Pac-12 is putting on a brave face, and and yes, it's saying, hey, we're going to find a way to make, you know, chicken salad out of, you know, chicken can't say on radio. But (laughs) at the same time, you know, I, I think that, it's one of those one of those things where if the Big Twelve calls in and formally offers Arizona, Arizona State, you know they've talked about Utah and Colorado and things like that. What's in the best interest for those schools? A potential plan down the line to to maybe strengthen that league, or jumping into a conference that you feel like okay, we're we're going to be on solid footing if we go ahead and make that move. And I think it's a pretty easy answer at that point, especially, you know, with people kicking around the possibility of Oregon and Washington. If Oregon and Washington are in that group and they say yes as well, it's not just a no-brainer for those Pac-12 schools. It's an absolute no-brainer for the Big 12 with the brands and everything that you would be pulling in at that point. Yeah, so what do you think would have a a bigger – because at this point, with with Oklahoma and Texas last year, and now USC and UCLA this year, um, everything it seems like with the ACC, Big Twelve, and, and Pac twelve, mainly those last two, is you know more on if if you were to kind of uh, I don't know if you ever played the game. I used to love this game when I was a little kid. Uh, but ker- Kerplunk does that ring a bell at all? Um, I, I don't think I ever played Kerplunk. Okay, right? so it, it was a game where like you had these like plastic like kind of straw looking things and uh, they were basically in the middle of a I'm, I'm going to do such a terrible job of explaining this like a plastic like <laughs> cylinder and you would have like marbles 
that were on top of all the straws, and you had straws like poked through. You had holes to the side of the cylinder. Oh, sure, yeah. I I, I didn't play that, but I remember seeing that. It yes. Basically, you pull out the straws. It's kind of like a straw-based version of like Jenga, where yes. you pull out the straws, and if marbles drop, you know, it's not a good thing. Yes, exactly. And it's so like whoever can pull the least amount of marbles or whatever it is wins. And I feel like um, with the Pac-12 at this point, and, and even the Big 12, although I, I don't really view it as like, oh, there's all these schools that are going to possibly go elsewhere, but whatever it is, you, I, I guess if you want to say the ACC, even with that media rights deal you mentioned, like hypothetically if Clemson were to leave for the SEC and Florida State, like what would that mean? But it feels like if, if one more of those gets pulled, all of the marbles are going to come down. So who do you think will have more of an effect on that? Would it be Notre Dame possibly going to the Big Ten, or would it be like an Oregon going to a Big 12 or Big Ten or something like that? You know, I, I think that Oregon would probably be a, a little bit bigger deal. The one thing you would say with Notre Dame coming is it's not just going to be Notre Dame, right? Like you're you're going to have a second school in that mix, and you know it, it's it's like a job at, at Google opening up, I guess, where you would have about thirty five thousand applications, you know, for for that job if that opens up. Yeah, we'd love to be Notre Dame's number two. But, you know, it, it's, I, I think that it, it would almost be Oregon because with Notre Dame not necessarily being attached to somebody else, right? There's no conference there. And so you're not looking at, well, if Notre Dame goes, you know, the, then Air Force is sitting in a weird spot or, or whoever. Whereas with Oregon, all of a sudden at that point, you know, you've lost probably the top three brands in the Pac-12. Washington potentially comes with, and then all of a sudden it is an absolute scramble for those other marbles when you look at Cal, Stanford, you know, the the other teams across that conference, Washington State, you know, Oregon State. And, And so I think that you see more marbles come out with Oregon's decision than you do from Notre Dame's, even though I think we can all admit Notre Dame is the property that is out there that is the most enticing you know if notre dame called the sec tomorrow even with the sec state and said hey we're finally going to join a conference is it cool if we come you know hang with you guys the sec would say yes absolutely we'll figure out the details later so i did this with matt tate earlier today who we had on the show uh as well i'm going to do it to you as well congratulations kevin you have been named Uh commissioner of the Big 12, very short uh, time in charge for Brett Yormack. So you were in charge of picking what teams to add to the Big 12, how many to add, what the format would be. Give us your thoughts on uh, your structure for the future Big 12. You know, I, I think, as weird as it sounds, I almost feel like the six-team Pac-12 deal is about the most positive thing that, that you could do because at that point you are landing the, the two major remaining brands there in, um, in Oregon and Washington. You're strengthening your conference, and you're also probably, and I know that most people wouldn't see this as a positive, but if it's survival of the conferences, you're dealing a death blow to one of the other conferences. And so I think that that would be the move that, that would entice me the most, especially since, you know, 
the Big 12 bringing in Notre Dame would would probably not be a, a realistic option. And with the ACC grant of rights being what it is, it's not like the Big 12 is is going to go over there and, and poach, say, a Louisville, I wouldn't think. And so I do think that's about as good as it gets. And I think, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know how much Pac-12 basketball do you watch, Derek? Well, uh, let's see, the occasional Bill Walton game just to see it. I mean, it's hard, though, because, like, you, you know, if you're, you're on a whatever random night playing at 9, 10 o'clock, it's, it's not as much as, as the ACC or Big Ten or whatever other conference. Is the uh, phrase Conference of Champions brainwashed in your mind yet, Derek? Well, yeah, but I don't know what the Conference of Champions is now. Is it the Big Ten because USC and UCLA are there? I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to figure that part out, but my point was going to be that we always look at the football side of this stuff and we don't necessarily look at, Hey, you know, when it's women's soccer season, how's that travel going to work? And how are these different things going to work? And I think geographic pods make a lot of sense, but I do like too one of the thing I was getting at with the PAC 12 in basketball is typically, if you look at that schedule, like, if Oregon comes and plays at Arizona, it's playing at Arizona State two days later. You know, they package those games together so it's not like, hey, fly here, hey, fly all over, you know, the West Coast. It's usually packaged where you go with, you go and you play your road games at these two schools that are together. And so if Kansas was going on a basketball week uh, out to the West Coast, you would have a game at Washington, and then a couple days later, you'd have a game at Oregon, and that's how you would squeeze those games in. And so I do think the geographic pods make a lot of sense, and I think that that's one of the ways that you can get around the travel at least a little bit is by packaging together you know, multiple schools that are sort of in the same area or whatever as opposed to kind of flying back and forth, back and forth. It's not as big of a deal in football because you're playing one game a week. And so it's not a huge deal to say, go play at Washington and then come home. And then the next week you go play at West Virginia, if it winds up working out that way. But in the other sports, you really have to have almost that geographic component to it, where you're making sure that that you're making the most out of your travel bank for your buck. And I think that's something the PAC 12 actually did, did pretty well. Like if you went, and you played at Arizona, you probably had a game two days later against Arizona State at Arizona State, and so the travel wasn't nearly as big of a deal. Talking with Kevin Flaherty for a few more minutes here on RCST. Um, All that being said, hypothetically, let's say the ACC comes calling to KU, or let's say even the Pac-12 at this point. They're like, you know, forget you trying to raid us. We're going to try to raid you, and they come calling to KU. Uh, as as you said earlier, if it's the Big Ten who calls, you're obviously taking that that as a yes right away. Um, but in that situation, Kansas has the chance between the ACC staying in the Big Twelve or Pac Twelve. What would be KU's best spot? I would think going if you remove the Big Ten from that, I, I think that going to the ACC would probably be the best play because of that that grant of rights. I mean, it's just I don't think people realize. You know, it's what. 2035 is that right Derek? yeah it's i know it's mid 2030s yeah and the way that it works out is basically 
you pay the league whatever I, it's whatever the media money is, I believe, for each year when you leave. So let's say you decide by 2030, which obviously is a ways out, that hey, I'm leaving the conference. You've got five years of you know thirty plus million dollars that you have to pay the league to get out of there. And obviously, schools just don't have that kind of money sitting around to where they could make that that sort of payment. And so that's why I keep bringing up that grant of rights that that really solidifies that league. But I think too, you know, if Kansas goes to the ACC, Notre Dame has had the ties to the ACC obviously recently, you know, playing in that league in basketball. They spent the one COVID season in that league for football. The ACC, if it brings in Kansas, if it brings in a Notre Dame or or somebody like that, that league gets really stable really fast, even beyond the media rights deal to where it can hang with, with other conferences and potentially become that third super conference. And I think that's what the race is here is I don't know that it's going to be four super conferences, but it's not going to be two. You're at least going to have a third. And I think if Kansas has the chance to go to the ACC with some of the teams that are there with that Grant and Rice deal with somebody else, you know, coming in with Kansas, whether that's Notre Dame or whoever else, I think at that point you've positioned the ACC to sort of be that third super conference. Whereas I don't see that with the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is kind of on life support, if if not even beyond that point right now. And I think the Big 12, while it does solidify with the Pac-12 additions, if they do that, it's still arguably you know in a similar spot to where it was with Texas and Oklahoma, which is that it's still at least a half step down from the SEC and Big 10, whereas the ACC – if you're Kansas and you add another power or two in there like a Notre Dame or something like that, I'm not sure that that conference plays a an obvious second fiddle to other people. I think that that conference is very viable. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check him out, 24-7 Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time as always, man. All right, thanks a lot, Derek. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. With Lane Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. This is RCST, Lane Gillespie, Derek Johnson, 5 o'clock hour here on KLWN. Um, So we've been talking a lot of conference realignment today. Uh, What would be the reasoning for this for USC and UCLA? You may be wondering beyond just, you know, I don't know not being happy with the Pac-12 or something. Well, it's it's obviously money-driven, um, but it goes further than that. It's not just about, you know, the money the Big Ten can offer. It has to do with the schools needing the money even more. And to be clear, the Big Ten is going to be making so much money that it is a huge jump in money. Uh, for USC, I know there's been, been talk and reports about, like, that with the changing landscape of college sports with NIL being a big thing, a, a lot of boosters who maybe would, mm. for instance, on a given year, donate $5 million or whatever it is, whatever number it is, you know, to I the school. You know, I didn't think about it to that front, and especially, you know, wanting to play 
somewhere in LA, I think shifting conferences would bump up that change in money. Well, it's just that that if if you have a booster and and originally the five million was going to the school, right. the school could count on that money. Now the booster might just be saying, "I'm just going to pay the kid I really want a million, and I'll spend another million on this other kid I really want, and so forth." To where that money is not making its way to the school, so the school needs more money. Boom, the Big Ten comes along and, and you're going to get paid a lot more money. For the case of UCLA, it's not just that, like, you know, they're trying to make up money that they're losing with with NIL donations, possibly. But um, the the thing for UCLA is they are, like, in major debt, apparently. I, I know there was this story that came out, like, a year ago or so about Under Armour uh, basically trying to back out of their deal and not pay them. And um, they had lost all this money on all these different sports. This allows them to, you know, basically make up that money. And otherwise, UCLA was facing like having to cut a bunch of Olympic sports potentially. So this saves mm. a bunch of the sports for them. It's it's just a way for them to kind of get aboard. But overall, like it, it's hard for me not to look at this and just say this kind of sucks. Um, it does feel like to me one of the biggest things about college sports and, and the reasons that a, a lot of people get involved with it and, and that I really started loving it at, at a young age was it's not just about you know the, the pride in your school or, or these uh, the great home court or home field advantages you have or, or the passion and and the tradition it's it's about the regional ability of it and that kind of goes back with the passion and tradition stuff they have these these rivalries of, of schools that even if you know, Ole Miss or Mississippi State aren't playing for the national title or, or playing for some small bowl game. That matchup, that rivalry matters. And, you know, you can pick whatever two rivals you want to have that discussion with. The game is is becoming more of a professionalized sport. And there's nothing wrong with that because obviously there's a market for how much people want to watch this, as you see by these large TV contracts and the money that these kids are making, good for them um, because they deserve to be making some money off this if, if that is what the market value tells them that they should. The counter to that is with the more and more this becomes like professional sports, the more your competition becomes the actual professional sports leagues. And so it's like, you know, if I say, what do you want to go do tonight? Do you want to, I have two tickets. You have to go to the game. Do you want to go to the, the, the Royals game or do you want to go to the Omaha Storm Chasers game? What are you picking? I pick the Royals. Right. Because you want to see the best talent. You want to see the best players. And if, if I love that that took me a second, by the way, just I know, the I state like, of the Royals right now. <laughs> are, you, are you really big? I, I guess you really want to see Nick Prado or something, right? Um, no, but like, it's just if, if everything becomes equal and you lose sight of the things that make you unique, then all of the sudden you basically lose out to that other league because the other league, for instance, the NFL, the NFL has more talent. It's a better product. It's just the college has more of some of these other things. And so if you're going to blow this all up, it's going to hurt that. And and there's part of me that thinks this is going to be a, like obviously USC and UCLA leaving for uh, the Big Ten. I'm sure all this is being kind of orchestrated behind the scenes by Fox and ESPN and these people that own these media rights deals, whoever, if, if Apple and, and Amazon are going to get involved or, or whatever. It's, 
it, it feels like you're, you're grabbing the paycheck right now because this is going to help your money right now. But what is this mean going to mean in the long term? If you lose out on all this, if you lose out on some of these bowl game ties and, and these regional rivalries and, and maybe some of the interest of, of college sports by local fan bases or, or people who live in the local areas who, who have less attractiveness to it because they're like, okay, I've, I've kind of lost sight of, uh, of what this was all meant to be, that it feels like in the long term, Yes, you may gain more money right now by some of these moves, but in the long term, I could see this causing more of a plateau to the sport than a a rise up in so, the long term. So do you see this as a high risk, high reward type deal? No, not quite that. Like okay. I, I mean it's 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 gonna be a high reward. I just I just think long term this creates more of the possibility that things could plateau as opposed to being a constant stream up. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what I meant by, like, the, the risk, mm-hmm. is that, yeah, short-term, great, long-term, we don't quite know yet, and yeah. that it could definitely plateau. Yeah, and I could be wrong. Who knows? Like, maybe this is just setting up for, because this is what a lot of people have talked about, like, the Big Ten and SEC ready to take over as the two super conferences among everyone else. Um, it's kind of leading to the idea that, like, what if those two leagues decide to just do away with the NCAA and just kind of secede elsewhere? And that teams joining those leagues, it's it's not just about getting into those leagues for more money right now. It's also about getting on those boats that are about to depart for another venture. Because uh, then once they're away from the NCAA, they could basically say, okay, now, now we're our own thing. Now let's split up into more geographically and rivalry-based regions that make sense. This was just a... a avenue a carrier to basically get us to this point if that's what ends up happening then it basically overcomes that but it just i I can't help but think that this is this is a short-sighted move which is fine i could see where yeah i could definitely see where you're coming from um and you are right that that could prove to be a downfall. Well, it's like as much as I say that and as much as it's disappointing to me is it going to stop me from watching these games no it's not so um, I guess from that standpoint, it's like it, it, it's like any complaints. Just I might as well be like yelling at a wall because it's not going to affect my my viewership or anything like that. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, lots of news today with with the Big Twelve and and what's going to happen from here. The Pac twelve certainly seems to be going on the defensive, and we'll see how how much that that comes into play. The most Interesting thing that has come today with the Pac-12 is that they're moving up their media rights. They're originally set to be up at the end of next year, and they're moving it up to now that they're just looking to restructure. And the reason for that would be to try to lock in these schools that if you come to a new media rights deal, it you know could last another 10 years. That would mean that if other schools want to leave, they're going to have to pay an even bigger buyout, which would maybe deter them from wanting to leave. It could also present them with an opportunity to say, hey, this is how much money we're being offered. You're going to want to stay in this league. It, it becomes interesting to me what ESPN and Fox and these these media rights companies want to do with this because if they do give a good number to the Pac-12, it's going to want, make these schools want to stay. But if they, they're like, hey, USC and UCLA are gone, why would we pay you as much? It's going to influence those schools to leave even more. And what do they want to do? Maybe in their mind, they're thinking, hey, I'd, I'd rather, you know, be done with the Pac-12 
and pay more to the Big 12, but not as much as we would have to pay both conferences. Or maybe they're thinking vice versa. Maybe they're thinking, let's give a good deal to the Pac-12 so that the Big 12 has to dissipate. I, I don't know what they're thinking with that. Um, they have a huge hand in this as much as anyone else. They really do. I think that there is a case to be made that, because this is where this all becomes interesting as well with, with the Pac-12 moving up this this timeline for their media rights. The Big 12 needs to strike soon right? before something like that were to happen. What happens hypothetically if the Big 12 were to say, we're moving up our media rights deal too because we're, we're going to match what you're doing here? And what would that mean for, for Texas and Oklahoma? Would that let them off the hook sooner? So you'd be hurting yourself in the near term there, but you would be helping yourself in the long term. Would that be worth it for the Big 12? Mm. There's a lot of opportunity that comes out of this, and some good, some bad, for the Big 12, but it just adds to the idea that you need to be more re- or, or more proactive and be more proactive right away. And then you have the other part of this where Brett Yormack is the new commissioner. He's set to start in August, so technically he's not even like on the job yet. How do you proceed with this as a conference without your official commissioner? And you can also, if you look at the other end of that, is that most of the time the commissioners are, are more so just kind of a, a puppet or a mouthpiece for all the different commissioners. And like, for instance, we saw Bill Self get a uh, extension even without an athletic director, that would be basically the equivalent. The Big 12 could add these other teams without the commissioner totally in tow. But this certainly speeds up the timeline. It's a, it's a good move by the Pac-12. Uh, it, it's funny, though, because when the Big 12 approached them last year to merge the conferences, the Pac-12 was like, no, we have no interest in that. And now I wonder if they would still be interested in that or if they think they can still get by without it. But certainly they're in a situation where if they don't do that, I mean, Pac-12 might die. If they do lose, the, because at this point you're down to 10 teams without USC and UCLA. If they lose the six teams being rumored that are in deep discussions, according to Dennis Dodd, with um, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, I mean... You're down to four teams at that point, right? Stanford, Cal, trying to think who the other two would be. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State. Like, What happens (laughs) to those schools? You know what I mean? Does the Big 12 just say, yeah, we'll take you two? Because at that point, maybe Stanford and Cal or whatever are like, no, we're going to stick around the Pac-12. But then if everybody else leaves, you're like, okay, we have no other choice. Do they go to the Big 10? Does the Pac-12 just sit around there and say, you know what, we're going to fill it up with like Mountain West and whatever other schools? I don't know. I don't know what happens there. I, f- I feel like if you are the Pac-12, you you would. I mean, if you want to. I, okay, I'm going to. I'm just going to rephrase and just keep geography's sake mm-hmm. out of the equation because it's, it's gone. Because I was going to say, you know, if you're the Pac-12, you want to keep the geographic stuff correct to get teams out of the Mountain West. Nobody cares about geography anymore. It's all about where the best fit is and how can you make the most money on media rights and sponsorships and stuff like that. Pac-12, I don't know where you go, man. I just, I, I, I don't want to say they're SOL, but they're, they, they might be getting there soon. 
Yeah, and that's that's how I would view this. Like this media rights thing, it's clear to me this is like a, a last-ditch effort by them, which is a smart one in my opinion because you're kind of putting the Big 12's feet to the fire of they have to work quickly while meanwhile you're going to have an opportunity to present new media rights packages to your teams in conference. Um, I, I think this just comes down to like can the Big 12 convince one of these teams to come over? And I don't mean that from a standpoint of they should only be trying to get one. But I mean that from a standpoint of that that reference I made earlier with Kevin about the game Kerplunk, where it feels like at this point you've gotten the Pac-12, not the Big 12 specifically, but just in general you've gotten the Big 12 because of the Big 10 moves with USC and UCLA to a point where if you pull one more straw or if you pull that one block out of uh, the, the Jenga tower, everything else is going to come down. Because right now, it is it is a very loose world. And this is how the Big 12 felt last summer. It felt like last summer when Texas and Oklahoma were leaving. It was like, if one more team leaves, it's now officially like pure chaos. Everybody else is gone at that point. Um, because at this point, where the Big 12 was last summer, where the Pac-12 is now, or the Pac-10, I guess now, it, it's everybody has to have unity and not one more team can leave because they've lost already the two big brands and... Um, one more leaving would would signal even more chaos. So if if the Big 12 was able to pull even just Oregon at this point, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe Colorado, like they released the statement earlier today, we're committed to the Pac-12. Who knows who's to say how which, much of... Who's to say that's true? Because... Exactly. We it, don't know how it's much... Like a, yeah. It's like a Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob scenario. I'm committed to this. But show me a paycheck, and I might think otherwise. Yeah, yeah, wink, exactly. wink. Uh, let's let's see the money. So we don't know how much they are committed to doing that. But hypothetically, let's say they are being honest there. Let's say they are saying, yeah, we are committed to the Pac-12. Oregon leaves now, too. Another blow to your conference. Now you has committed. You know, Arizona and Arizona State come over to the Big 12. Now you has committed because now you're, you're down two even more. Right. So... If the Big 12 can just pry like one pair of, of those, like Utah and Colorado or Arizona and Arizona State, or just grab Oregon or something like that, then all of a sudden the avalanche really comes over for the Pac-12, and then you're able to probably get everyone else. Um, but that'll be the key for the Pac-12, just trying to keep everyone together. And We saw the Big 12 do it last year, so I'm not totally dismissing the fact that the Pac-12 can't do it, but it's funny because now they are in probably the worst situation of everyone, and uh, they're trying to make... Uh, some desperate last-minute moves, which might work. They might not. We'll wait and see. He's Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com.